Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Jamila. Hi, Paula. <laughs> Welcome back to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am so excited to have you back on the podcast. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and you are back because you have an incredible new book that is coming out or is out at the time of this podcast going live and it's called your journey to financial freedom a step-by-step guide to achieving wealth and happiness and congratulations first of all and I just want to talk to you more about it but before we dive in please tell everyone or remind everyone who you are and what you do Yes. So first of all, I'm so happy to be back talking with you. My name is Jamila Soufran. I'm the host of the Journey to Launch podcast, where I help people launch to financial independence. I'm now the author of this book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, which basically is everything the podcast is, but more. And so if you're not familiar with my work, I, I make the journey to financial independence and freedom relatable, attainable, and enjoyable. And that's what you'll get in the book is steps and practical ways in which you can enjoy the journey. I love that. I love that. And you were on the podcast previously. You've been on the podcast twice. So you were on episode 41, where you talked about how you saved $85,000 in a year. (laughs) Then you came back a couple of years later to talk about how you saved almost $170,000 in two two years. So if you're, if you're looking for those podcasts, just start with episode 41 and you'll get to learn like the in process or in progress journey back then of Jamila being able to save that money. But yeah, I really want to dive into your new book. As I mentioned, it's called Your Journey to Financial Freedom, a step-by-step guide to achieving wealth and happiness. And I love the title. And so I was reading through the pre-copy. And one of the most inspiring aspects of your personal story is your mom's immigrant story. Can you share a bit about that and how it has inspired you to be who you are and where you are now? Yes. So for me, my mom is my biggest source of inspiration and I would not be anything I am without her and her sacrifice. So she had me when she was pretty young at 20 years old and she was in Jamaica. She's Jamaican. She was born in Jamaica, raised there. And she had her papers come through her father who wasn't as involved in her life, but did this one thing for her and filed for her papers to come to the United States, filed for her before I was even a thought. And so when he came to her and said, hey, I have your papers now, he saw me for the first time wow. <laughs> as a baby and was just like, like, 
Uh, who is this? And I don't have papers for her. <laughs> so you have like a week to decide what you're going to do. You know, basically you either leave her here and go to, to the United States or you can stay. And he only gave her a, like a, a week to decide that. And it was hard for her because she, I was everything to her, even though she was such a young single mom herself. She wanted so much more for me, but she made the brave choice to leave me behind and mm-hmm. go to a land she's never visited with hardly any money, just a few, you know, just connections through family that she can stay with. And she left me at about eight months old and started to work here when she got here and saved every penny. There was no internet back then. So she had to find <laughs> resources, you know, through the yellow pages and go in person to to these places that may be of a resource to her to find information. And over time, she was able to save money. And my papers and my grandmother's papers came through just under when I was two years old. So I was able to rejoin her at just under two years old in New York. And I've, it's just been me and her (laughs) ever since, obviously like we, she, I have a little sister and things changed a bit, but for a long while, it was just the two of us. And Mm -hmm. I saw And I say this, like, I didn't really get lessons like taught to me about money or entrepreneurship or just grit other than just watching her. And they called me her pocketbook because I was always with her. She couldn't afford childcare. So that meant when she went to community college, sometimes she'd have to bring me to class when she was doing her homework. I was doing something, too. And so (laughs) I just feel like watching her and knowing how much she had to go through being so young to make it from where she was to where she is now you know, self-sustaining adult who ended up getting her master's degree and is doing pretty well for herself, who even helped me, you know, buy my first property here. It's just, I'm just like with all that I was given and the head start that I was given and the more help that I have as a mom, there's, I have to be able to do more or to live up to my potential in a way, because look what she was able to do with not even half of the resources. Yeah, I love that story. And, you know, a lot of our moms have made so many sacrifices for us. And it's just, you know, looking back when you're younger and you're living through it, you don't really realize what the sacrifice is. Like you were probably in class with your mom, just like drawing, but you didn't really grasp what it was that she was doing. And as you get older, when you start to reflect, you're like, oh, my God, this woman actually made these major sacrifices so that I can be here. So I I definitely relate to to your story, to your mom's story. She sounds like an amazing woman. I I went to my mom's college classes with her. Yes, (laughs) yes. So that's that's really awesome. So fast forward now, you are an independent woman. You're married and you're having your own kids and you're you're living now your own life, right? Your mom has created these opportunities for you. But then you decided that in your book that you talked about, you decided that you wanted to achieve financial independence by age 40. And you created a seven-year plan for yourself. So why was 40 so important? Why did what, <laughs> and then what did, you, what did your plan look like? Yeah, how did I fail at that goal, huh? So, <laughs> all right, this is how it all started because I was always very ambitious and felt like I thought outside the box. And so even when I graduated from college and had a good first-time or full-time job, I said to myself at 22, when I started to work full time, that I was not going to work for anyone past 30 years old. So at that point, I didn't know what financial independence was. I didn't know it was a thing. I just thought, well, I have to make enough money to basically not work for anyone else. So I thought that meant marrying rich or winning the lottery or building a big business, something impactful like a Google or something, you know, big. And 
I just didn't like to be confined to a cubicle or have a boss. I just knew that about myself. And I tried a bunch of things in my 20s and it didn't work in terms of entrepreneurship on the side. And and it just wasn't something that I could stick with or I didn't see success. And so I failed my not working for anyone past 30 goal and found myself at 31 pregnant with my first son on this very long commute. And I just said to myself, this is not my life. I, I had this goal of being able to not be in a cubicle and working for anyone past 30. And I failed that. I have to figure something else out. And so I just like round numbers. <laughs> and so I thought, let me set my sights on 40 years old as a deadline for me to be able to not be in this situation. But the difference between what I set in my 20s versus what I set in my 30s was that at that point, I had found the concept of the financial independence retire early movement. This idea that you could invest your way to financial independence where you did not have to work for anyone else and you could live off of your investments and you didn't need to be, you know, be an entrepreneur necessarily or marry rich or win the lottery. You can create your own trust fund in a way because you are investing in yourself over time. And it might take a little longer, but it's possible. And I set that goal at 33 once I really got deep within the movement and I started to blog and talk about my journey. And I declared it publicly that I was going to reach financial independence by 40 years old and quit my job. And we, this might be a follow-up question you have, but you know, I don't want to like spoil it for everyone, but no, <laughs> things change, you know, things change as I started, but I, I found myself in actually a much better position because I actually, in fact, am 40, <laughs> but I have achieved this level of financial independence, not complete financial independence, but I have achieved the freedom that I was looking for and the options and the flexibility. Yeah. And this is what I talk about in the book that sometimes you set a, a goal for yourself. Like I did, like, I, you know, I want to quit this and have this much money. And as you start the path, as you start the journey, you're so many other opportunities unfold for you because of who you become on the journey, because of the skill sets you have to gain, because of all the things that we talk about. And so, I, you know, I'm excited to share this message because, yes, I failed my reaching complete financial independence at 40 years old. But I, I think I achieved something a lot greater than that. And it, that is achieving the benefits without having the money in the bank. To me, certainly not a failure because you built a business, you've written a book, you are quote unquote, like you said, partially financially independent. You you are that this is that's huge success. You're you're pretty much there. It's just your timeline has shifted. That's def, definitely in my book, not a failure. That's that's a success. Because sometimes we make all these plans, right? And just because we don't reach them by a certain time, we're like, okay, we're like, okay, we didn't get it done. But I think we're our own hardest critics. <laughs> Yeah. And we're hard on ourselves, but I'm going to tell you, this is, this is a huge success. Like the fact that, because I remember when I first met you, you were commuting from New York into New Jersey. You happened to work maybe somewhere near where I lived. And when we met, you were pregnant. So that story, and we were having this conversation, you're like, you know, I can't do this commute. I just need to figure something out. I need to, Yeah, I, 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 I vividly remember. So when you were just saying that, I'm like, I was actually, you know, like, I remember Jimmy like this space. Listen. Uh, and to think that from there to here now uh -huh. where you are, that's huge. Yeah. So when I say failure, I actually don't, I, I'm actually proud of whatever perceived failures and things that didn't happen in the way I thought mm -hmm. they would, because everything that's happening for me now 
is much better than I could have ever planned. Mm-hmm. And so I just want people to know that your failures or what you perceive, like you said, as failures are usually stepping stones, are signals to try something different, are putting you in a better position than you could have realized at the moment. And that still happens. I get disappointed still in things that maybe not come to fruition. or And I'm like, you know what? There's a reason for that. That's okay. And I forge on. And that's what I think a lot of people should do and have to do on this journey because things will never go as planned. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally do that all the time. And I sometimes have to catch myself and other people will catch <laughs> will catch me. Yeah. Like, Paul, what are you what are you saying? Like, what are you <laughs> why are you thinking like that? <laughs> okay, so in your book, you're you're basically teaching people how to achieve financial independence. You're using your experience as a financial expert, using your life experience, being able to get where you are today. And you're basically basically giving them a blueprint to be able to create an action plan to pursue what they deem as financial independence for themselves. And in your book, you talk about different stages or milestones that people go through on their journey to financial independence. Can you share a bit about those stages? Yes, absolutely. So first, I want to just define the way I use financial freedom and then financial independence. So financial independence is the ability to not have to work ever again for money because you have invested and saved up enough in your investment accounts and retirement Mm -hmm. accounts that you can live off of that money. Okay. Financial freedom in the way I describe it in the book and talk about it is your ability to have options and flexibility. And so you don't have to be completely financially independent to experience financial freedom. And when I first stumbled upon the journey or the path, I saw financial independence as this very big goal that many people will see or hear about and say, my gosh, like that is just, that can't be done because to have, it's intimidating. And so to have enough money where you don't have to ever work again, it's all going to be dependent on your lifestyle and your responsibilities. And so if you require to spend a lot more money, then your financial independence number will be a lot larger. And Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, what's a way to break this down so that people don't get intimidated by this journey, don't even want to start it because they feel like their number is too big. And by the way, if you want to quickly calculate your FI number, your financial independence number, you multiply your annual expenses that you want to spend by 25. And that gives you a roundabout number in which that is your financial independence number. Now, -hmm. if you're like me, when you first calculate that number, you're just like, what? (laughs) Like, that's a lot of money (laughs) depending on your lifestyle. (laughs) Right. Like, okay, like, forget it. (laughs) But here's the thing. So the journey to financial independence is a marathon. It will take a long time, depending on what you have going for you, like your income and your expenses and all these things. So to break it down, I broke out the journey into five distinct stages, the journeyer stages. The first stage is called the explorer stage. That's where you're working on financial stability, where Mm -hmm. maybe you don't have enough money to pay for your living expenses. You're going into the red every month, having to put things on credit card. So in this stage, this first explorer stage, your goal is just to get stable where you can pay for your expenses. Mm -hmm. The second stage after you're stable is becoming consumer debt-free. That's what I call the cadet stage. This is where you're working on getting out of consumer debt and paying down credit cards or car loans or whatever you deem in this stage. I don't typically include a mortgage or, or, or student loans in this stage just because they can be humongous and we don't want to limit you from moving ahead uh, with those large balances. But once you become consumer debt-free, you can move on to the third stage, the aviator stage. This is where you're working on financial security. And so you're able to build more in your investments and saving because you don't have debt payments or you can control whatever debt you have at this point and can spend more of your income in the way that 
fits you and your goals. After you have financial security and reach some level of security, you can move to the next stage, which is the work flexible stage. That is the commander stage. That means you do still have to work at some point in the future. It's not that you never have to work again, but you are in a much better position. Work becomes flexible. So you can quit a job and try out entrepreneurship. You can take a break or walk away from a person or company or or job that's not serving you. You can do something different. And then ultimately stage five is the captain stage. That is where you have reached financial independence and you don't have to actively work ever for money again. Working truly is a choice. And I always like to say stage five, the captain stage is a very big stage. I think that, you know, people, it's a stage that not necessarily everyone can get to, but it's possible. This fourth stage of work flexibility, it's the stage I'm in, the commander stage. I believe everyone can get to this stage, meaning you have more control, more autonomy over what you do, and you have a greater sense of freedom in your life because of what your money has done for you. I love that. And I love how you've broken it down into stages because like you said, when you calculate your FI number, your financial independence number, and you see that big number, depending on you know, what your details are, it can be intimidating and overwhelming, but having those stages helps you realize, okay, I I can actually pursue this in, in pieces. Right. And I can actually see based on these stages and based on the action steps I need to take in each of these stages, how I can ultimately get to that end stage. Right. And that, that is very helpful and it can be motivating and it can help remove that intimidation around, oh my God, it's impossible to achieve financial independence. Because like you said, a lot of times when you're looking at, when you hear about financial independence content, right? It's always the big numbers. You know, mm. I save $4 million. I save $7 million. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and before you even get into the gist of how they did it, you, you're already like, oh my God, 7 million, no way. Like, you know, so I love that you have it into the stages and I love that you call them the journeyer stages. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very true to your community uh, journey to launch. So I have another question for you, and this is tied to mindset and habit. Obviously, you are in this space where you consider yourself financially independent or partially financially independent because you're still working. So that's your commander stage, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, so you're in your commander stage. And in order to have gotten to this commander stage, you obviously have had to establish certain habits and mindsets. For those people who are listening, how are, how can they modify their financial mindset? Are there anything that you have done personally that have helped you stay in the mindset of wealth building, even when things got difficult? Yes. So the journey, as much as it is an external one, where we have all this action that we need to do, And all these numbers that we are tracking and taking account of, you know, I told, I call there, those are called the external and tangible factors. So earning more, spending less, reducing your liabilities, increasing your assets are all things we need to do to make us move further along on our financial independence journey. Mm -hmm. But the, then those are tangible things that you can literally track, right? But then the other two things that are intangible that are more important actually are your mindset and habits and are more intangible because you can't necessarily always, you know, measure them. Although you can measure some of your habits, right? But really these are the things that make the intangible, makes the things that you want to do, like the tangible happen. They make them sustainable, So for me, realizing that this journey was something that I could do was the first step, right? You're not going to attempt to do something if you don't believe you can. 
And it's having the belief in yourself. I like the saying, I don't know who made it up or said it first, but if one can do it, I can be two. If none can do it, I can be one. And so it's this ability that if you see someone and you're lucky to see someone around you or in kind of maybe on social or just doing something that you want to do, it can be inspiring that, hey, this is a pathway I can maybe accomplish. And if you don't see someone doing what you want to do, realizing that you can be the first to do it. And you have to remember, so some of the things that I did and I want other people to do is to remember how far you've come already. Like you said before, so many people are hard on themselves about where they're not, not realizing where they could have been if not for the things they've done, right? How lucky, how blessed are we to be listening to me talking to you on internet, you know, and have my own podcast. But also if you're listening to this, how blessed are you to be able to listen to this when so many people can't for whatever reason. And so it's realizing your own privilege and not to say that bad things don't happen and things are not unfair, but using and recognizing your own privilege recognizing and giving yourself credit for how far you've come despite whatever has happened to you or your circumstances, taking that and using it as motivation to get to a better place, whatever place that looks like for yourself or a happy place. And so that's been my fuel. You know, I have some mindset exercises and I talk about habits a lot in the book because I just think a lot of times we just want to jump into how do I earn more? You know, how do I go in for that raise? How do I spend less when we're not addressing why we're, we can't maybe do those things or why we are nervous to talk to our boss or coworkers and to advocate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that is, that is really important in terms of cultivating a mindset. You have to have it in place before you start going off to pursue your goals. And that in turn helps you as to establish those, those habits. So I love your approach to, to mindset and the tips you've given to the listeners to start working on theirs. So chapter six of your book is called uncovering your desired life goals and determining your guacamole level. (laughs) (laughs) So what does it mean? I really enjoyed going through your book, by the way. What does it mean to determine your guacamole level and why is it important in the context of financial independence? Yes. Okay. So this is like my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) And you know, I want, I'm gonna put this out there because I've been trying to reach out to avocados from Mexico. Did you know they have like a whole like brand and like they do brand stuff? And I'm like, I need to partner with them. I'm like, where are you? So I tried to email them, but I haven't gotten a response. <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening. Right. Because I'm like, this would be perfect. Right. So, all right. So here's how it goes. In order to understand the lifestyle you live now or want to live, and if you're happy or not, and reaching the desired lifestyle you want, I broke down what I call guac or guacamole lifestyle levels. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's because I love guacamole so much. But if you don't like guac, you can replace it with something else like wine or I don't know, cheese or something that you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And so it works like this. The guac stages go from one to five. And guac level one is really simple and frugal. It's the frugalest you can be where in terms of you don't spend a lot of money. So you would never buy guacamole at a restaurant. Like you would make it at home. And it ranges, it goes from guac one, two, three, four, and five. And then guac level five is the most extravagant, luxurious. You own a guac factory. You have a guacamole chef. You you would spend a lot of money on this thing that you enjoy. And then, of course, there's a range between one and five. And so I thought of this because I realized as I was on my journey that if you are not living the true guacamole lifestyle that you want, meaning maybe because you're on the journey, uh, you are spending a lot less than you desire to, then you might find yourself unhappy 
or if you're forcing yourself to spend less or be super frugal when that when you don't want to be, you might you might find yourself slipping back into old habits. And so understanding where you fall on the guac lifestyle level and how you want to spend or what you want to spend in financial independence is important because then you can be more realistic with your journey, you know? So, and there's also a thing where some people who are at the lower journeyer stages or beginner journeyer stages, they might have a desired higher guac level of spending, which is fine. There's no right or wrong in whatever guac level you choose, but understanding if you are spending at a higher guac level, but in the beginning journeyer stages, you're going to stay more stuck in those stages versus being able to potentially lower your guac lifestyle level just temporarily to get you out of that stage and then fully live that guac level you want. And I just I just thought of putting it in these terms would make it more relatable and hopefully more fun for people when they <laughs> yeah. thought about the kind of money they want to spend because it's directly tied to how much you need to work, how much you need to make, and how much you need to save up for financial independence or invest to financial independence. Mm-hmm. And it's all about prioritizing what's most important for you so that you can put that extra money aside to that FI goal. Right. Yeah, that's really good. That's really great. So one of the, I guess, ways you can accelerate your FI timeline, right, is increasing your income. What have you done personally to do that? And what tips do you have for folks who are listening? Yes. So income is a driving force outside of your mindset and habits. Your driving force to be able to do any of the things that we're talking about, pay for your expenses, pay down debt, invest, you have to have the proper income to do that. Income has four jobs, basically. It has a lot of work to do in order to satisfy and save and invest for the future and then also to enjoy what you want to do in your life, right? And so with that, even when I've interviewed people, even for myself in my own journey, you know, people may choose to spend less. You know, you might hear people, oh, I only spend twenty or $30,000 a year. And sometimes that's by choice, but they're making a lot of money and they are able to in- and then invest that difference. And so I just, I want to, help people realize that focusing on increasing your income for a lot is is going to be really important. And the ways that I've done that was when I worked in corporate America was to increase my education level. So when I was working, I went back and I got my master's in real estate because I knew if I stayed in that job, even if it was only going to be for 10 years or less, the best, the most money I could make was going to be through getting a higher education or putting myself in a position to get the better position at my job. The other thing for people, if they're not working in an environment or job that they can go back and get an advanced degree, is to think about what you're currently doing in your job and what your performance level is. So even if you may not love it or like it in the moment, it's what you have now. And so either you're going to make the best of it or you're going to you should look for another opportunity elsewhere. And are you performing your best? Are you doing your best where you are and can demand and negotiate for more money? And sometimes that that self-reflection of, okay, I actually need to do more and step up. And so that involves showing up more, speaking up more, so that when it comes time to negotiate that salary, you have more of leverage to say why you deserve more. And then, you know, the biggest way to increase your salary is to actually go to another company, typically getting new hires get a lot more money than people who stay at a job and just get those, you know, measly percentage raises. So that might be something you need to look into is how can I either change jobs or industries using the skill sets that I currently possess in this new career path that has more potential for money? And then of course, side hustles. So we all have a skill set that works for us. And sometimes there are side hustles that take a lot more energy and work. 
And then some are things where it's it's so simple or natural to us, like maybe if you speak a second language or you enjoy kids or pets, that you can do something on the side that you can earn money where it's not as complicated versus if you want to start a more intense business that involves more energy, more capital on the side to become a full-time business owner. Sure, you can make money, but there's going to be more upfront costs with that. So it's to think through what type of energy you have, extra time you have to dedicate to a side hustle, and where can you best leverage your skill set to earn extra money? Yeah, and I, you know, I think that just having that fallback income is just really important, especially given challenging challenging economic times, especially if you're in that stage where you don't really have emergency savings, you're trying to like, you know, build up those accounts. Um, even if you're working full-time, if your schedule can accommodate it, um, even if you got a part-time job or you started a side hustle temporarily, right, to save money, I think it's definitely worth worth it. It's worthwhile. It's worth having that diversity in your income. We always talk about diversity in investing, but, you know, diversity in income is is great as well, right? You have your full-time job, you have your side hustle, you have your temporary part-time job, however you, you structure it, given your schedule, given your strength, <laughs> right? it's worth pursuing. Because a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, it was easy for you to start your business. And I'm like, actually, it wasn't. I was working full-time. I was a mom to twins. Yes. Um, I was running a photography business and I was doing Clever Oil Finance basically at midnight. <laughs> yes. I remember those days too. Yeah, Listen. I remember that. For, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had the strength to do it, but for a short period of time, because I burnt out, but I was able to, to to get stuff done. And to me, it was worth it, right? Because it wasn't a forever thing. I don't do my photography business anymore. I run Clever Oil Finance full time. So like sometimes don't, you might get intimidated about the side hustle or a part-time job or whatever, because like, oh my God, that's all this time, all this sleep I'm not going to get. But if you're doing it for three months, six months, you you can do it. And I love that you talked about even looking at your income. You may not get a big raise if you ask for a raise or if it's a percentage-based thing, or even if you go to another job, it may not be huge, but that is still money that you can put aside, right? right? It, It all adds up. And I want to just add to the side hustle comment and the work that it takes. I think, you know, I know that we are in an era of, you know, I don't know if they still use this online, but like soft girl, that soft girl oh, era soft, of life, soft life. <laughs> and luxury and you deserve. And, you know, we listen, I get it. I think I think so many people are doing it backwards or wanting the rewards without the work. And I'm not advocating for like just stressing yourself out and, you know, putting, you know, too much pressure on yourself in this capitalistic society and becoming like a mule, right? That's, that's not what I'm saying, but I think there's a misconception of what it takes to be successful. And so you may see someone like Bola or myself, and maybe you see us more, well, I don't know, I know Bola works hard. So I don't know if she's relaxing at all yet, even though she needs to, but you may see me (laughs) if you follow me. (laughs) (laughs) saying like, all right, I'm going to the beach like in the summer every day. Like I'm more relaxed, but that's because I put the work in. And so it's not to say if you were in your early twenties or you're just starting your journey, you can't enjoy the journey, but it's going to take work and you have to find the pleasure in the friction and in the work it takes and in the late nights and not look at it as, oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, it's just like so hard and, you know, I'm sacrificing my energy and sleep and time, but being so motivated. I remember when I first started Journey to Launch and it was hard doing the commute, the job, the commute home, and then doing Journey to Launch on the side with my kids. But I was so motivated and energized to make something happen for myself that it overrid any of those 
negative emotions. And so I just want people to lean in more to not that work or the effort is hard and and miserable, but learning the process and enjoying the process of who you become while you do it. I agree with you 100%. Sometimes, you know, I, I see these soft life, soft life TikToks and like shorts and reels, and I find them hilarious because, you know, you see the girl roll out of bed and then she shakes her hair and then she puts on her face mask. And then, you know, I don't have a job to go to because soft life, then she curls her hair and then she puts on her designer clothes and she carries her Gucci bag. And I'm like, the way it looks is like, this is soft life because it is. But in order to get to that point where she had to, she could buy that Gucci bag and those designer clothes and could stay in bed late, there was some hard work involved. Right. <laughs> There's no soft life without hard work. Soft life is essentially reaping the benefits of your hard work is when you get a chance to re- relax, right? Retirement is a soft life because guess what? You spent all that time working for financial independence that you'd now get to retire and enjoy it. So don't, like you said, there's a lot of misconception about soft life. I'm all for soft life. Listen, <laughs> I would be that girl. <laughs> and I well, are you taking more breaks, Bola? Are you taking breaks? Are you taking breaks before you so do So I don't work on Fridays. Okay. But now, actually, for next year. So actually today, this podcast is my last podcast for the year. These are my, today's my, these are, today uh, are my last meetings for the year. So we're recording this November 15th uh, in anticipation of your book coming out. So these are my last meetings for the year. So I'm I'm done for 2023. Yes. No more meetings. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. being intentional about this yes. soft life. And even that intentionality <laughs> is hard work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. So so it takes hard work. So I love what you said was spot on. Like, don't get don't get it screwed, uh, skewed. Soft life is is desirable, but it takes work to get there. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to wanted you to talk about, because your book is about the journey, right? Your platform is called Journey to Launch. You have a lot of emphasis on the journey, on the process, on going through it. How can people just enjoy that journey along the way to financial independence? Because obviously you're, the goal, the end goal is financial independence, is having X, Y, Z, whatever is on your goal list. But it's you cannot get there without a process. And sometimes the process can take years. So how do you enjoy that journey to your launch, basically? Mm. So I encourage you to think about what you want to do when you reach financial independence, what you want your life to look like, that I have this exercise, you know, what does your day look like in 10 or 15 years when you are not obligated to go to work? And really be as detailed as possible. What does it involve? And how can you pull some of those elements back into your current life? Now, of course, not having to work frees up a lot of your time and that you might not have as much time, obviously, today. But what are the things that you can do right now from where you are that will bring you more joy? And some of it will be free, doesn't involve a lot of money. And again, it may not be as much time that you can spend on it, but maybe you said, okay, I want to spend an hour and a half at the gym or running or walking in nature, but you don't have that type of time now, but you might have five or 10 minutes to sit and in a space where you can either meditate or be to yourself in the morning before your kids wake up, right? Maybe you decided or said, oh, I would want love to learn another language or travel to this place. Okay. How can you actually start to plan that travel now or think about learning that language now on the side? And so it's really pulling the elements from that future life that you so want into your current life. Because ultimately, if you cannot find or a place of peace and happiness from where you are, 
and you're mm-hmm. waiting, you're pushing it off, even if you're just waiting for financial independence or retirement to finally live, your life will pass you by. And ultimately, I think the saddest part of people who don't get this is that they think money will solve the issues or the amount in their investments will yeah. make them happy. And they get there. I mean, well, I know, you know, a lot of wealthy people. So, you you know, you one of them yourself. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that doesn't make that doesn't solve all your problems. So how beautiful is it if you can start to work on whatever internal things you have, whether it takes therapy or community and friendship and family to build a full life regardless of your external circumstances of how much money you have in the bank or how much debt you're in. How can you work on yourself right now so that you you love the person you are, you love the people you're around and you create a better life for yourself so you're not waiting for this future thing to happen. And then when you get there, you realize that you're still unhappy. And so it's really about sitting and seeing, okay, what do I respect and love about my current life? How can I bring more happiness into my life? Some of those things will be free and some might take some money to do. Maybe you do invest in, you know, someone to come help clean the house because that will unload so much work for you, but it allows you to relax for that hour. Maybe you do plan that trip, you know, to Disney. So one of the things I did with my kids, we went to Disney for the first time this summer and it wasn't about the money. Now we we had the money to do it, but let's just say for yourself, that's one of the things you want to do. You want to take a trip, but you can't necessarily take it in the moment. Okay, how can you plan though for that trip? Maybe you don't take it at the luxurious level, guac level five that you would like, but you take it at a guac level two and then you plan for that guac level five trip in four or five years once you reach a milestone. It's just how do you keep bringing the joy back into your current life and be appreciative for all that is? Yeah, I agree with you. And I agree with you that some people just have that thought process. And going back to what you said about mindset, you know, they feel like money is a solution to all. And so until they get the money, they can never be happy. They can never, you know, nothing is nothing is is good. But mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I've learned that you have to you have to live in the now of your current situation and find ways to enjoy it. If you're paying off debt, sure, you have your plan to pay off debt, but you can't make yourself miserable. There are so many things in your life to be grateful for. Even the fact that you now have a plan, even the fact that you're mm-hmm. employed to make the payments, like find happiness in that moment, live life now, because life is short. And there's some there's some things that money can solve, right? Money can pay bills great, but there's some things that it doesn't matter how much money you have in this world, money cannot solve that problem, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to human relations, especially when it comes to emotions, especially when it comes to your mindset and your mental health. There's no amount of money, okay, that that can solve it unless you yourself are pursuing that happiness, you're pursuing that enjoyment, you're pursuing being present. Like, so money is not everything that people make it out to be. It's simply a tool, right? It's like the comb mm-hmm. to comb your hair. You can go from a hot mess to a nice hairstyle with a good comb. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, I love how you explained it. So Jamila, this has been so great. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast a third time. I would love to have you back as you make progress with your book into the new year as well. But this has been such a pleasure. I always ask everyone, and you probably, you've answered this twice already, so you know your answer. Maybe your answer has changed and that's fine. Uh, What is your Clever Girl superpower? Ah, (laughs) my Clever Girl superpower is making my dreams and thoughts in my head reality mm-hmm. so yeah. far everything I've thought about and you know not every single thing because then I'd be like 
my next interview would be Oprah if that's the, if I really <laughs> right there, listen, listen. <laughs> but you know, really, I think I think it's it's having a vision or a thought and going after it. I don't do it with everything, but I think I've been successful so far with pursuing the light in me, and I'm very proud of myself for that. I love that. I do love that. Bola, wait a second, though. I want before we go. So I I don't know if you made it this far in the book because it's towards the end. But, you know, you are mentioned in my book on page 308. <laughs> OK, wait, 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 wait. I, did not look I don't know if myself. your version. Right. I don't know if your version because you have the digital version. No, I, think, I go to 301. I, OK, so on. So I have to send you, by the way, like the copy of the book. But on 308, because Bola, for everyone listening, I always say that you know, Bola was one of my first real life examples of someone who was doing something amazing within this space and made it real for me too. So we were like in a small group chat with our other friend, Dorianne. And and this was in the beginning, like Bola was already to me big time. She already had like thousands of followers and I had a couple, maybe like 20. I don't know. It was very low count and it was fine though. But I saw you Bola in our little chats talk about what you were going to do. I remember when you said, I'm going to launch a podcast. You literally just launched like the podcast and just started talking like you didn't have anything. My fancy. You just, yeah, you just you just did it. And I remember in you, the dark one, one time you said, OK, I'm going to start YouTube and I'm just going to put you YouTube videos out. And you just started doing it every day. And I was like, wow, look at this girl go. And so I credit you with this idea of community is so important and seeing people do the thing in real life is you can't imagine how for a lot of people like that is the thing that switches on for them what's possible because seeing you do it and 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 do it so well really inspired me to feel like okay I could do something with journey to launch I can make this into a full-time business and so I just want to say thank you again for being an inspiration a great friend and I'm so happy for all the things that you've achieved too and that you're still achieving so go go you oh wow don't make me cry (laughs) but I, I do appreciate our friendship and you know you've helped me and inspired me and motivated me in many many ways as well so i appreciate you you're you're also part of my very first book your story is a story oh yes yes you know like (laughs) you're in there you're you're someone that i'm i'm inspired by so thank you i appreciate you but yes please tell everybody where they can find your book how to keep up with you any book activities you have going on your book website and remind us of the name of your book one more time Yes. So my book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom, A Step-by-Step Guide to Achieving Wealth and Happiness. It's on sale December 5th. You can buy it now, even if you're listening to it a couple of days before that. And you can go to yourjourneytofinancialfreedom.com to see all the places you can buy it. It's available at bookshop.org to support your local book retailers, independent retailers. You can go to Amazon, Walmart, Target, all the places to buy it. And then you can follow me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's where I mostly hang out. I'm just trying to get on TikTok, but it's a lot of work. So we'll see how that yeah. goes. <laughs> but I'd love to, I love to meet new journeyers. That's where that's what I call people on this path with me. I really believe this book has the ability to change lives. And so I hope you if you're listening, you pick it up and you you read it. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And please check out her book. We're going to have the links to her book site, her website, Jamila's podcast as well in the show notes. So thank you so much, Jamila. This has been so good. Thanks, Paula. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. 
Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.